there. This is Cassia. And this is Brian. Welcome to The Oven Hawk, a podcast discussing Star Wars news and Knights of the Old Republic. Spoiler alert for the Knights of the Old Republic series and the Star Wars films, TV shows, and all other media. This is where the fun begins. All right, so thank you for joining us today on the Evan Hawk podcast. Today we'll be making our way through Kashik again, and in episode 59, I talked a bit about it with uh, Huni, and today we're going to discuss uh, Jolie Bindo fan casts and how we would like to see Kashik cinematically, and I think it's going to be a pretty fun one. So just as a recap, mm-hmm. in the first iteration of KOTOR, whether it is a movie, a series, or, you know, whatever we're going to have in the future, we've successfully made it off of Terrace after crash landing from the Endar Spire. We've done our Jedi training on Dantooine. Now it's time to wrap up the final destination uh, of our cinematic adaptation on Kashyyyk. Why did yeah. we want to end the final installation on Kashik? Yeah, so when you're playing the game, right? So you get off of Terrace, you go to Dantooine, and then you can you can basically choose wherever you want to go. Um, but I think cinematically, um, I think we're both kind of in the the same mindset that Kashik is kind of a better resting point for for the Ebonhawk crew, right? At the close of this first uh, film adaptation, and I think that. It's going to give us the opportunity to uh, kind of tie up, at least for right now, some of the uh, storylines for some of our characters. Yeah, and I think I've mentioned the pattern that my friend Ian has mentioned, and like I kind of just see it as the Star Wars pattern, and uh, it's kind of like the first mm-hmm. iteration of a Star Wars trilogy is like the hero's journey. Uh, where it's kind of like you're kind of seeing right. the rise of a hero or heroine, and then the second iteration is kind of more genre-inspired and usually kind of has a downturn at the end. And then the third film is a reclamation, like a hero rising, you know? And right, the only right. exception to that is Revenge of the Sith. But I guess if you're looking at it from the villain's point of view, you know, like... A villain did rise it was just Darth Vader you know right yeah that's true yeah and I mean part of me did kind of consider like ending it on tattooing but I'm like it's kind of not as triumphant I would say sure, like right. tattooing I would say uh Kashik, you're kind of like helping Zalabar and his people reclaim their land from the Zerka corporation Right, yeah. Kashyyyk, it gives you, like I said, it gives you the opportunity to to sort of tie up some storylines, you know, stuff you don't necessarily get on Tatooine or on Manon. So I think Kashyyyk just makes sense in that standpoint uh, as far as, you know, concluding a uh, film with it. Yeah, 
And we'll mention like what we would do in a second iteration more in the future. And like, I'm, I'm really excited for that, but mm-hmm. I kind of think that uh, Tatooine and Manon like definitely have more like genre film influences and it's, it, I don't know. I think right. they just kind of pa- pair with that pattern really well. Mm-hmm. So what are some films you would use as a reference for Kashyyyk? You know, so you fly into Kashyyyk and the Ebonhawk lands and you're kind of in more of the, in the, I don't even think it's up all the way up in the, the canopy, right? Those trees are pretty tall, but you got the, the village there um, in the trees. And then you'd also have like the, the Shadowlands, you know, down underneath. So you have kind of two areas of Kashyyyk that you're going to need to take a look at. Um, I was thinking about how I would like to see Kashyyyk portrayed on film and, um, I immediately think of like Lothlorien in Lord of the Rings, how and that village is kind of set like in the middle of the trees. You know, it's it's very ethereal looking, and I think that you could do something really similar. Um, it, uh, except it wouldn't be you know gilded in gold as much. It would be you know kind of like ornate carvings and things. But you'd have this really cool um, kind of mid tree uh, village where uh, the Wookies are living. Yeah, I like how you kind of describe other films as reference, like how it all how it will all appear. Because mm-hmm. I I'm kind of like if it looks like how it looks in Kotor, I'm fine with that. If it looks like how it looks like in Revenge of the Sith, or mm-hmm. even the Star Wars Holiday Special, which I think everyone pretends doesn't exist, but right. Um, I would be fine with it kind of being a combination of all those. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's like it's with sci-fi. Sometimes planets are just like single biome planets. And like if they go to a planet, it's like they always go to the one city on the planet, you know? Sure. Right. Um, and it's like, I'm like, maybe if like Chewie is like from the Canada part of Kashik, you know, maybe uh-huh. it's like maybe the Kotor part takes place, you know, like in the France part of Kashik. You know, it's like sometimes I'm just like maybe not everything has to happen in one city, you know. Right. But, yeah, there's yeah a whole uh, planet to explore, definitely. So it, it could definitely have a little bit of a of a different look from like you'd mentioned what we'd seen before in like Revenge of the Sith or um, you know another kind of iterations of the way that Kashik had looked. Yeah. And I guess I'm a bit of a Disney fan, but I guess the the film I the films I kind of think of when I was thinking of Kashik is The Lion King. I guess uh, maybe okay. it's just because like I I've been a bit inspired by uh, Christopher Vogler's The Writer's Journey. Mm-hmm. He was a he was a script doctor on that uh, film, The Lion King, and I just think it's like it's a good film about like someone having to come back and kind of become an adult and also become a king, you know? And right. It also reminds me a bit of uh, Black Panther. So so maybe not like the most uh, prestigious. Well, I think they're good. I think they're good films, but maybe it's not like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mentioning like, you know, like classics from the 50s and I kind of feel guilty. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I think um, seeing, you know, kind of the, you know, more of the village of Kashik kind of like that. And then I think as far as like the Shadowlands 
I would imagine it, you know, kind of dark and mysterious, you know, some, like the Forbidden Forest, like in Harry Potter, something like that. But it's, you know, it's well below the tree canopy. So it's going to be, you know, pretty dark um, you know, and damp down there. Um, I'd almost like vision it in my head as like down, like in the depths of the ocean, right? So you're going to have, um, you know, creatures there, uh, you know, with bright eyes and things to see and kind of the darkness. So kind of more of those like, you know, uncharted water types of feeling, even though you'd be on uh, like a forest planet. Do you think that if there were like, if there was bioluminescence down in the lower levels, would that be encroaching on uh, Pandora and Avatar? Uh, maybe, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. okay, though. I, I think you I think you can can borrow and choose, um, especially when you get into the Shadowlands and you have you know, Zerkas down there with their big floodlights and things. So, yeah, so you're going to get kind yeah. of kind of some different uh, parallels to it. But I just I think that the descent down into the Shadowlands um, on the elevator would be uh, just kind of striking visually in the difference. Yeah, I mean, there there cop there probably could be some avatar parallels, but um when you kind of mention it, like how you would want the upper levels and the Shadowlands to appear, like, I guess now it kind of makes more sense in my mind. Uh, some of the reasons why I would plot the beginning, like how I would plot this film mm -hmm. is because it's like, it starts on the Ender Spire, but that's kind of just like an opening taste to get you into the universe and like, kind of like the, right. kind of what causes everything. Uh, Terrace is like, it's kind of a tragedy. Like, no one leaves that planet feeling like they they saved it. You know, it's literally destroyed. You sure. get off by the skin of your teeth, but it's like you, you kind of failed the planet. You know, I mean, you help some people along the way, and you hope the the people in the promised land are okay. But mm -hmm. there's no guarantees, and like once once it's bombarded, it's bombarded the whole game. And I was thinking, like, Terrace, it's a corrupt planet. It has three levels. And I was thinking with, like, Kashik, it's kind of a mirror to mm -hmm. Terrace. Like, you have a... On Terrace, you have a city. I mean, in cities and jungles, sometimes, like, people kind of, like, are like, ooh, this, this city's a jungle, you know? Right, it's like, yeah. It's so crowded and stuff, but... Concrete jungle, yeah. Yeah, concrete jungle. And it's like, I was like, three levels on Terrace, it's a city, and then it's a tragedy, and then Dantooine in the middle, but then you have Kashik, and then it's like, maybe you have the, how the upper city was corrupt, the lower city, and then uh, the undercity, and then on Kashik, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a city within a forest, you know, like it's like the whole, right. the whole world is a forest, you know? And so it's like you have a city versus nature, you know? And it's like, and Kashik would be kind of triumphant. So it's like on Terrace, it was a failure, but the, the city's triumphant. And it's like, maybe there's a circle level and then like kind of, right. or maybe not level, but at least it's like you have three different aspects to Kashik. It's like you have the Circa, area the wookie the true level and then you have the shadowlands mm -hmm. so yeah and then zalabar he returns from his exile and like reunites with his family right and his father and his village 
and he's kind of like the prodigal son, you know, um, and he would help his people rise up from Zerka and uh, reclaim reclaim Kashik, you know. Because he gets cast out, right? He gets sent away, you know, after you know discovering the corruption with his brother and uh, no one kind of believes him. So he gets cast out. But when he returns, he's he's coming back to his brother being in charge and his, you know, his father's also been banished. So um, he has a lot of uh, kind of wrongs to right when he gets back. So, yeah. And uh, what group of characters do you think would stay with the tribe? And which characters would you bring down to the Shadowlands? Would you have the three character limit or would you kind of just be like for a movie, we do what we want? Yeah, I, I think you have to almost kind of do what you want. So in the game, uh, Zalbar stays up with the tribe, right? They're basically holding him like as a prisoner while you go on this mission to, to sort all of this stuff. But I think in a film, I would like to see Zalbar going to find his father and uh, find the sword and and kind of go on this mission. So I would, I would see him going and I would also see probably Karth going. Uh, maybe you leave... Uh, mission behind maybe maybe she's the one that gets kind of held prisoner which kind of forces uh zalbar into going on this quest uh down into the shadowlands yeah those are some good points i also think that it's probably best from a story perspective to leave bastila up in the wookie village as opposed to going down into the shadowlands too um because that might be a little bit too much uh when we uh finally are introduced to Joe Lee to have, uh, you know, uh, a whole bunch of Jedi there. I think it just gives a little bit more room to breathe and let uh, Joe Lee kind of, you know, feel out Revan and, you know, cause he likely knows Revan or knows of Revan. And um, I don't know. I think that that lets that kind of breathe a little bit more by not having Bastila there. Yeah. I was listening to an episode of inside the force and Claudia Gray they were interviewing Claudia Gray and she was mentioning other eras. And I was, I was happy to hear that she, if the KOTOR era is ever tackled, she wants to um, be the one to write the book about Mission and Zalbar becoming friends. And I was like, that would be perfect. Yeah, that would be great. I want that to happen right now. Absolutely. So there are two ways I could see that going. Like maybe, Mission is kind of held as like a hostage by Zerka. Mm-hmm. Right. That could work well. Or you see, you get to see Mission and Zalbar like be the the duo they are, you know? And like, if this is kind of like where I would leave them, I would want to highlight their teamwork. So it's like they're growing and they're becoming adults and they're, Fireforge friends and uh, mm. they're kind of like each other's family in a way. It's like they're found family, you know? Sure. Yeah. So I'd be fine either way, just depending on how it goes. I think I'd prefer just to see them work together as a team rather than have mission held hostage. But uh, yeah, that, and I kind of don't know what to do with Candorous. I don't know if he would just kind of like, cause honestly I have no idea why he would just stick around after he gets off of Terrace, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd almost have to uh, sort of invent a reason for him to to stay behind, whether it's, you know, something's going wrong with the Ebonhawk and he has to stay behind to fix it, 
or or something. But I don't I don't see him having a particular role. I mean, I, he could go with you into the Shadowlands. He would be very good down there, um, especially in terms of the game because there's other Mandalorians down there. So that could that could be interesting to have him uh, tagging along uh, down below as well. Yeah. So if someone can like if anyone can come up with a reason to like ha- keep Candace around, I'm for it. You know, like I love the character. Right. Um, I mean, I, I do think like in the second iteration, you could either have Juhani. I would, I kind of lean towards Juhani or Candace rescuing, uh, the team off of the Leviathan, maybe both of them and they have to team up cause it's like, Mm-hmm. That could maybe be poetic because like Jedi and Mandalorians would used to fight against each other. Then it's like, we're going to save our friends, you know? Right. And yeah. So I, I'm not, I'm okay if like Candorous is around or he's just kind of doing his own thing and just dealing with like, you know, like being a strong dude, you know, and like trying to find his place in the world, you know? Right. Yeah. So, and then I kind of foresee, like, I was going to call him R2, but I meant T3M4, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. <laughs> I could see him staying with the ship or maybe staying with Bastila. I I think it would be good if some characters kind of stay in the the upper levels to fight against Zerka, and then maybe there's, like, a battle going on, like, in the Shadowlands and then the upper levels, and then they kind of, like, you kind of alternate between those that could be fun right yeah because it in the game you you finish the shadowland section and you go back up and it's you know kind of like an all-out uh war going on with zirka but yeah you could definitely leave like um like i'd mentioned having bastila stay behind um you know up in the wookie village and things they could be going on their own uh mission to figure out what's going on with zirka or you know figure out where uh you know zalbar's brother is staying and uh yeah you know sort of sort of sort of their own kind of side quest because i think at this at this point we have what there's like 10 characters already so so you're definitely gonna have to split them up so there's a big cast of characters yeah um i mean i i probably wouldn't i would kind of just have mission come to the realization that she was ghosted by her brother right. i probably wouldn't have him appear because i i just don't think it's necessary that's just what i was thinking but it is kind of like a big deal i think for bastila to have to kind of be like to trust revan to be able to go down there on his own Mm -hmm. yeah and i it's good that you mentioned like it would just be too many jedi like because i think if bastila was there for that conversation it would just be like why aren't you going back to the Jedi, what's going on? You know, you kind of just want to be able to meet Jolie on his own terms. And I definitely think he knew that Revan was Revan the whole time. Mm -hmm. And, and I think he is just wise and just like, he's not going to just tell Revan. He's just kind of figuring out what's going on. Mm -hmm. So definitely, definitely. But yeah, if like, if, Bastila is on in the upper levels and Revan is with, you know, Zalbar and possibly mission down on the uh down in the Shadowlands. I think it kind of builds the bond up a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, cuz it's like there you kind of have to 
be like, what is Vasla doing? What is, and then she'll be like, what's Revan doing? And then you kind of see like they're, they're working well on a team, even if they're like, not like in the same place. So I think you could do a lot of like, you could establish kind of what the bond is a bit. And like, maybe like you could have a bit of like a Han Leia flirtation on the level of like, not quite a full attack of the clones, Anakin and Padme, but maybe like, you know, a, right. somewhere in between Anakin and Padme and uh, Han and Leia in A New Hope. Somewhere in that level, I think. It might be a good um, kind of introduction to um, exploring their, uh, you know, kind of force bond as well, if they're separated. Uh, kind of at the tail yeah. end of this film would, would set that up going into the second film that this is yeah. this is kind of one of their abilities that that they have because up and up until this point they wouldn't have really had um any reason to be uh you know using it or exploring it so yeah they're building trust and and teamwork and uh kind of working together like but then just kind of like kind of discovering the depths of the bond and i'm kind of not quite sure how to show it on screen in relation to like, you know, the Ray and Kylo thing. Mm. Cause you kind of just don't want to repeat yourself cinematically, but right. you want to have some continuity within like the greater saga. So maybe it's like, if it's kind of like a bit more mental and dreamlike, you know, but I'm not opposed to like the, the cutaways that they did like in uh, eight and nine. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, so we've uh, decided which characters we're going to leave, uh, you know, up in the the Wookiee Village and which ones are going to go down into the Shadowlands. Um, but if you want to find out a little bit more about us, you could always check out our Patreon. Um, if you want to do that, you can find the link in our bio on Instagram, which is at EvanHawkPodcast, um, or you can find it on www.patreon.com slash EvanHawkPodcast. And that's going to tell you a little bit more about uh, what we have going on on Patreon, uh, Cassie is posting the scripts, and we have other um, sort of things going on over there, and we're getting ready to do uh, kind of our first Patreon exclusive episodes, doing some uh, reviews and recaps of some different movies and uh, TV shows coming up, so you'll definitely want to go check that out. And if you are on there, you can ask a question, like our good friend Kai from Plex Armory. Um, he's asking, in a live-action version of KOTOR, do you have all the Wookiees subtitled, or do you introduce a character like Rao Rasheen from uh, New Jedi Order uh, who could speak basic? Uh, Cassie, what do you what do you think? Are we doing uh, subtitles in the film, or? Um, I'm actually, I'm actually thinking no subtitles. I think if we can tell the story using music and gestures and and just kind of like. Uh, the other characters speaking, like how it's, mm-hmm. how how pe- other characters will just speak to Chewy. I think that that works, you know. And mm-hmm. it would be interesting to see a Wookiee speak basic, but I think it's just been established that uh, in all of the nine films and uh, Solo, that uh, Wookiees. It just doesn't seem like they speak basic. I think like people would maybe lose their minds if they saw a Wookiee speaking basic. Not that 
maybe there is a Wookiee that has spoken basic, but yeah, and now even in, into the High Republic as well, right? So yeah, so maybe maybe there's some out there that can. I think it would maybe be a little bit of a a bit of a departure for me, but mm-hmm. I mean, if it can be done well, I'm 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 all all on board for like things happening but what about you yeah i think it's i think it's pretty uh, natural to just have sort of someone who understands it we have mission and we know that you know she can uh speak with zalbar she understands what he's saying uh presumably jolie would also be able to understand Trewook, um having spent the last 20 years on the on the planet so i think between the two of them you'd have you know ample opportunities for anything that needs kind of you know, translated or, um, you know, con- conveyed to the audience between the two of them, they could do it. And I actually think that there's something kind of interesting and intimate. So like Zalbar is reunited with his father. If they kind of have, uh, you know, a moment to be together and to catch up, like, I think you can convey enough with, you know, kind of the emotion on their face and the way that the music's playing and the lighting and things that you wouldn't necessarily need to know exactly what they're saying um, to understand what they're saying if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, you could just feel it, like, with color, uh, tone, music, and uh, gestures, and the acting. Like, I, I think, like, you could get a lot through with that. So. Yep. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Kai, for that question. It's a good question. And then we'll just take a quick break and talk more about the Jolie Bindo of it all. So in the game, you find Jolie Bindo in the Shadowlands. Uh, how do you envision meeting Jolie? Right. So in the game, if I'm not mistaken, you basically just you're wandering around the Shadowlands and you just kind of come across his uh, little dwelling there, if I'm not mistaken. And he comes out and uh, asks you for help. Basically, he's going to help you find the star map if you help him uh, take care of some uh, pests that are in the area. So. Um, I don't know in a film that that's probably the way I would go about it. I would maybe see him, you know, kind of following along the party kind of in the in the shadows. He is a, uh, well, he's a Jedi Padawan at least, um, and he knows the forest. So I think that, that you would kind of get glimpses of him before he actually reveals himself as he's kind of trying to figure out who this uh, party of characters is. Yeah, maybe you could, like, hear rumors of like a force wielding vigilante mm-hmm. from like Zerka and like maybe like Jolie's trying to figure out it's like okay I'm feeling a serious force presence I need to kind of figure what's going on you know and then like he just kind of follows and so he's like okay so that's literally the Dark Lord Revan like who is dressed as a Jedi acting like a Jedi doesn't right. know who he is and he has teammates and they're doing good Mm. And also looking for a star map. So, like, something's going on. So I think he would kind of follow. And then, I mean, like, 
in stories, when the hero is ready, the mentor appears, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that's how I say it would happen. Not specific, but just the way it's meant to, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think he's just going to kinda kinda show himself after he's gotten the gotten the impression of, you know, who this party is. And like you said, he's gonna know who Revan is. He knows where the star map is. If you read about him, he'd apparently been trying to get into it for this whole time that he'd he'd uh, been, you know, live, living on Kashik. So, um, yeah, I What's think he's the password. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think he's. I think he's just gonna gonna kind of pop out. Either, either uh, you know, Revan and crew are gonna get you know stuck somewhere and need some help, and he's going to finally come out and and rescue them, or you know, a bunch of these uh animals that are down there lurking around uh which are called katarns i believe um so, so yeah so I, I think he's going to kind of come to the aid and show himself but i don't i don't think you're actually going to seek him out like you do in the in the game necessarily yeah i don't think it would feel a bit i don't think in a movie it would feel kind of side questy like if you do this i will do this you know right i think it would be epic like Jolie Bindo is a guy who has been through a lot. He was a Jedi Padawan uh, during the times of the the Tales of the Jedi comics, which I I'm a bit familiar with, and I think you're reading them right now, right? Yeah, I just uh, I actually have the actual comics, but I finally got the the Marvel Unlimited app, so now I can I have them on my phone, so I can just you know pull it open and and read through one. You know, kind of whenever yeah. I get a, a free couple of minutes, which is really convenient. So, yeah, and so he's a contemporary of like Ulick Quell Drama, Nomi Sunrider, and when we get talking about Nomi Sunrider, we can talk about the Sunrider naming controversy, and it's actually kind of really interesting. So that's why in Kotor two, you the robes are called Nomi's robes and like you can't ever mention the last name Sunrider in like in the old EU. It was a, it was a big deal, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And he fought Exar Kun. Uh, so Jolie Bindo was a Padawan during that time, but his wife fell to the dark side and joined Exar Kun and he had to kill her. And that, you know, really messed with him. And I talked about that uh, in a solo episode when I did uh, the KOTOR I Love You episode. So oh, right. if yeah. you want to listen to that, there's that. But uh, what do you think about Jolie? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of messed him up, right? So he was a Padawan. He wanted to train his wife and the Jedi Council told him told him not to, but he kind of did anyway. And she ended up falling to the dark side. Like you mentioned, he had to kill her. Um, and then he spent the next year kind of roaming around doing, you know, odd jobs and stuff before eventually, I, I guess, a, according to legend anyway, he crash landed his ship on Kashik and then he just stayed there. So he was there for like 20 years. So he would have been there the when, you know, Revan was putting in these star maps and things. So he definitely would have known about Revan. Um, but what I'm kind of interested in is why he decided to stay in Kashik, right? So... I mean, he was he was a Jedi or a Padawan, but he at least would have been able to uh, persuade himself off of off of Kashik if he would have wanted to leave. But um, I just think it's interesting that he just decided to decided to stay there in his uh, self exile. Yeah, um, 
I think it would kind of make more sense if he just kind of exiled himself rather than like he just crash landed somewhere. Mm-hmm. I I see it as like very intentional. Like after he killed his wife, like I don't see him just being like, okay, I guess I'm an Uber Eats driver. You know, like right. I see him as as just like exiling himself intentionally and leaving his exile when Revan crosses his path, like and joining up with him very intentionally. I feel like the situation with his wife and just like fighting in the Jedi Sith Wars, like he just kind of saw everything, like the Jedi's hypocrisy, the worst of the worst on the Sith side with Exar Kun. Right. I think he I don't think he would really want to deal with the greater galaxy, but then when Revan comes across his path, I think he sees it as the force saying like it's time to leave and move on and maybe right. keep an eye on Revan to either be a mentor or if you have to put down another dark sided person mm-hmm. to do that, you know? And that's what I think. Like I don't know if he like personally identified with Kashik uh when he crash landed, but I think as he lived there he learned to really love the Wookiees the Wookiees, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a quote where it's like someone says, the Wookiees? And he's like, the Wookiees, you know? And yep. it, it's great. Um, I think he was just trying to find, like, I don't know if it was solace or an escape after what happened, but um, mm-hmm. he could have gotten off if he wanted to, but he, he didn't. Yeah, I think it was just making atonement and spending some time there by himself. But we see kind of some parallels to that sort of thing in Star Wars, right? So you have him on Kashyyyk, and then uh, you have some other self-exile you know, going on in the story. So Yoda's self-exiling and, and Dagobah after, you know, his uh, he's made his mistakes. And uh, the same with Luke, you know, self-exiling on Octu to kind of atone for uh, his mistakes. So I definitely see a lot of uh, parallels uh, kind of as you go through Star Wars and uh, these tales of, you know, self-exile so yeah and i I definitely see some parallels with obi-wan uh and i think maybe the writers were kind of like oh let's have jolie on a nature planet to mirror uh yoda with uh dagobah but i almost kind of see more parallels with kenobi and jolie rather than yoda Mm -hmm. but maybe that's just me so do you think that Jolie would just be kind of like Ahsoka Tano, who's not technically a Jedi, but kind of um, embodies the ideals of a Jedi probably better than any literal Jedi in the series. Yeah, I mean, if if you're playing through the game, you definitely get that feeling, right? He he seems very down the middle, and you know, any any time Bastila is you know spouting the you know the good virtues of the jedi he's always there to to kind of you know play devil's advocate with it almost so yeah i I definitely can see the parallel between the two of them where you know once a jedi and now maybe more more of a jedi than than the actual ones were yeah that would be nice to have some scenes between like jolie and bastila because i think Definitely, like, Jolie would be like, okay, 
Bastila is kind of having to lie, you know, and kind of like doesn't really feel great about it, but she thinks she's doing the right thing and it's like a bad parent, like not Jolie, but the Jedi Council is like a bad parent to her and she's trying to win their affection and just mm-hmm. kind of like not questioning it when they kind of like say like, you should do, you know, like commit war crimes, you know, and, and it's like, okay, whatever makes you proud. But um, it would just be cool to have some scenes between Jolie and Bastila before everything goes like uh, downhill, I think, in the second one. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah. Well, yeah, and and certainly what we know about the you know the Jedi Order, they they almost certainly would have put Jolie forward as a symbol of what not to do, right? Yeah. Like there was a you know look at this guy. We we told him not to, not he was a Padawan. We told him not to train his wife, and look what happened. You don't want to you know repeat in the same mistakes as Jolie. So and certainly Basila is you know being the uh, studious one that she is would have would have certainly probably heard this tale and at least be familiar uh, with the story of him, I would think, anyways. Yeah. I don't know if... It's hard, because in the games, Jolie says he's a gray Jedi, and, like, he's, like, he kind of just uses the light and dark interchangeably, but Mm kind of like George Lucas, you can't really use the light and dark interchangeably. You can just be aligned with the light. That doesn't mean like you're perfect and like you do a hundred percent of the light sided things all the time, but overall you're kind of just affiliated with the light side. Right. Like it's either like you're selfless or you're selfish. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really see Grey Jedi being a thing. And I think maybe some fans would be disappointed with that when it's like, Nope, it's not a thing. Sorry about that, you know, but so I, I wonder how like some fans would handle that and what do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree, and I think that's that's what's really interesting about this about the game, and that would be interesting to see adapted into you know a live action portrayal. Is you have sort of all of these different sort of you know tiers and self identifying Jedi, right? So you have you have Bastila, who's you know at least at the at this at this juncture, you know, kind of the model Jedi. Uh, you'd have Revan, who um, you know, had had fallen and uh, maybe redeemed. We st- we still don't know where he where he would stand at this point. Um, you would have Jolie, who's you know self-identifying as kind of this gray Jedi. You know, kind of been to both sides, and then you would have Juhani, who had you know definitely at least flirted and you know served the dark side at least for a time. Um, but you know, is you know on her on her way back to redemption at, at this point. So I think I just think that that's really interesting. You have sort of these four different uh, viewpoints on this same ideology. Yeah, and uh, when it comes to fan casts, like I I really like Keith David. He would be my ideal Jolie Bindo. Um, oh, okay. I first saw him in Community. Mm-hmm. in season six of community and i'm like this guy's great like i think he would be awesome and like looking at his filmography um mm-hmm. he was the voice of goliath from gargoyles and he was also captain anderson from mass effect and uh in the riddick films and mm-hmm. ironic designs did a great uh design kind of featuring uh keith david as jolie bindo so 
you should mm-hmm. check that out. But yeah. who is, who's your fan cast? Yeah, so my fan cast, uh, Keith David's a really good pick, by the way. Um, but my fan cast is going to be Lenny James. So anyone listening, if you don't know who Lenny James is, he's probably most recognizable from uh, playing Morgan in The Walking Dead and Fear of the Walking Dead. Um, I think he just, uh, he's really good actor. He, he plays kind of on these uh, more subtle emotions. Um, if you watch him in The Walking Dead, he carries a lot of weight, like in in his uh, face and his expressions. I just think that he could uh, pull off someone like Jolie, who's, you know, had kind of a, a lifetime of uh, self-reflection. Yeah. yeah, that that's a good pick. Speaking of ironic designs, um, they suggested Tim Russ, and Tim Russ was also uh, in Spaceballs and Star Trek mm. Voyager, so if yeah. he were to be in a Star Wars film, it's like, I think... That would be a star. That would be a space hat trick, space film hat trick, or something. So. Yeah, he he would have done the done the circuit. That would be that would be good. That's a good pick, Tim Ross. I like that. Yeah, and then uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Uh, Ojib wave, Ojib wave. How do you think that's pronounced? Uh, I I would go with Ojib wave, but uh, official Ojib wave official. But definitely let us know if we're saying that wrong. And yeah. So Ojibwe of official uh, says Donald Glover from the 1980s. Um, and Donald mm-hmm. Glover was also on Community, but um, I think what this what they were meaning was Daniel Glover from the 1980s. And uh, I think that would have been great, you know? Yeah, so. well, so I just looked it up. Donald Glover was born in 1983, so he would have been a very young Jolie Bindo in the... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the 80s. But so. yeah. But yeah, da- uh, Danny Glover would would be good. That would be an interesting uh pick, I think. Yeah. And then someone said Morgan Freeman as a joke. I think he just wouldn't be the right fit even though Morgan Freeman is always a win, you know. But. Yeah, I I think if Morgan Freeman wanted to play Jolie Bindo, you have to let him do it, right? But I don't <laughs> I don't know yeah. that he he would be my best pick for it, probably. Yeah. Uh, someone suggested Anthony Mackie as a young Jolie Bindo, and I was like, that would be great. Like, if we ever got to see Jolie Bindo's story uh, with his wife and uh, with the Jedi Sith Wars in the background, like, that would be excellent to see on Disney Plus, you know? And that would be cool, yeah. If you ever got like a like a Jedi and Sith War kind of uh, uh, little miniseries or something, he he would he would be a good. Uh, young Jolie Bindo, but I I don't know about for for the uh, the current Jolie Bindo that we're finding on Kashik. Yeah, that would be a little bit of a departure from the game, but definitely a young Jolie Bindo that would be awesome. And then we had someone suggest Michael Dorn, and this is a prolific uh, Star Trek actor, and I think that would be a cool fit, you know. So. Yep. I'm not super familiar with him, but yeah, it looks it looks like he uh, he could pull off that part pretty good. So yeah, I'm okay yeah. with that one. Yeah, and there's been a few uh, actors who have I think been in Star Trek and Star Wars, but it's always kind of fun to see the crossover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right. So today I just wanted to read a review that we received on Apple Podcasts. This comes from the Bull One. 
who says everyone needs to listen to episode 59. And if you can't remember, episode 59 was the episode where I was joined by Huni, and we talked about uh, Kashuk's parallels with the indigenous experience in 59. It was a great episode, and it, uh, it was really... Huni really helped me out, and uh, we were able to um, discuss a lot of important issues, like through the lens of Star Wars and sci-fi and talk about real issues uh, plaguing the world and the indigenous experience. So they say everyone needs to listen to episode 59, 59 Kashyyyk's Parallels with the Indigenous Experience featuring Huni, a really awesome Star Wars artist, was incredible. I was not expecting so much depth, history, and exploration into what I initially thought was just a side quest mission in this game. Whether you haven't played KOTOR or played it multiple times, you'll get a lot out of this podcast. This podcast, especially the episode, touches on the impact Star Wars has on all of us. So I just wanted to say thank you uh, to the Bull One for that review. It means a lot, and that episode would have been nothing without Huni. So please check out Huni uh, on Instagram and Apple Podcasts uh, reviews, subscriptions, and shares help us out. So we're very grateful. Yes, thank you very much. All right. So how would you end this film? That's, that's hard. We've, uh, we've spent a lot of time uh, working on this first movie. It's weird to, weird to think that we're figuring out how to uh, wrap it up, right? So um, I think we've been to the Shadowlands. We've uh, kind of recruited Jolie into the party at this point, but... A, we're up to what like uh, 10 characters now um so i think we're gonna have to have to make the decision to as painful as it may be i think we're gonna have to leave a couple of characters behind and i think that um leaving zalbar a mission behind on kashik just makes the most sense you set you know zalbar up to kind of you know take over his village and get zirka sorted uh, mission gets to stay with him um and kind of help him get settled in and there what what do, what do you think do we need to do we need to leave some people behind or um i think mission and zalbar staying behind on kashik it fits zalbar has found his people he's become who he needs to be and he he's stepping up for his uh tribe he'll be um i think I think Kashik is a monarchy. I'm not sure, like, to step up as king or chief, you know? And mm-hmm. um, I think, like, Mission's story throughout the film is, like, she's finding her new family. She's not held back by needing Griff, her brother who left her behind. I think she comes to that realization as she kind of grows up through the story, like, they lost Terrace, but Mission is happy. Like, Zalbar is her, is her brother, basically, her new brother. And um, mm-hmm. I think she will find a place, like, defending, you know, the Wookiees on Zerka. And I think it's definitely safer for Zalbar and Mission to stay right. on Kashik rather than dealing, like, being chased by being chased by Malak throughout the galaxy, you know? Mm-hmm. 
so I think that's what that's what I would do and it's like I foresee them in the final battle returning yeah I, I agree I I think that this isn't going to this wouldn't be the last we would see of mission in Zalbar but I think for uh, just the purposes of storytelling, I think that it makes the most sense to uh, leave them here at this point anyways. Yeah, so it's not like we wouldn't ever see them again, but they became who they need to be, and Zalbar's reclaiming his place, you know, and uh, they're kind of getting Kashik sorted out and kind of freeing it from Zerka and rebuilding. So I think, like... I wouldn't feel sad. Like I would feel like they, they accomplished what they set out to do. Um, who is the bounty hunter in this game? Who has the dock glasses from Terrace? Kalonord. Kalonord. Yeah. Would you have, um, Darth Bandon and Kalonord appear in this game or in this movie? Um, probably not. I, well, in, in the movie, yes. Cause we, um, in the in the game, at least you have the fight with them as you're as, as you're fleeing uh, Terrace, right? Um, and I think that that would make sense to have them there as sort of a battle over who uh, gets to commandeer the Ebon Hawk and get off of Terrace. So I think you'd see them there, but I don't know that we would need to see them again in Kashik, uh, probably again at some point in the uh, second uh, film. I guess uh, for me. Kalonord was never really that interesting, and he always kind of stuck out as like, oh, well, this is some guy trying to redo Boba Fett, but, you know, with goggles. And, you know, I just wasn't really that interested in like, oh, he died. Oh, wait, he survived somehow to die again. You know, I'm just not really that interested. I'm like, okay, whatever. I could see him being... Uh, sort of a foil in the film if he's uh, you know working more closely with Darth Malak and he's also trying to run down these star maps and you're just uh, kind of in a in a race against him but I don't yeah I don't see him just popping up every once in a while to try to kill you like he does in the game so I guess I could maybe see him appearing but I would kind of just prefer he just die on Terrace and I'll be like well no matter what, we'll always have Terrace, you know. Uh, yeah. But um, I would maybe have Darth Bandon appear to die in the first iteration, you know. Um, right. Because maybe there's a battle happening with Zerka somewhere, and then on one level, and then maybe on one level, someone has to fight Darth Bandon. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe if Bastila fought Darth Bandon, like double lightsaber to double lightsaber. That would just be an interesting fight. And Mm -hmm. just so it explains, like, for me, I just don't really see Darth Bandon really fitting into the second movie. I think it would just be a little bit too busy. Unless maybe, like, she just totally kills him on the Leviathan. And then, like, Darth Malak is like, oh, wait. Like, I need a new intern. And she just killed him. So she gets the job, you know? That's, yeah. I could maybe be okay with that, but I would kind of like to just see, like, you have, like, an upstairs and a downstairs sequence, you know? It's, like, I, I guess it's not literally, like, stairs, but, like, upper levels of trees, lower levels of trees, you know? And it's, like, two battles are kind of happening, and just, like, 
just so everyone's kind of doing something, you know? One's fighting against Zerka, one's kind of fighting against Malak, and, like, kind of just, like, maybe it kind of signals, like, Darth Malak is like, oh, wait, my replacement goldfish Sith Padawan is dead. Huh. And defeated by Bastila, and maybe that gets his, like, mind turning, you know? Like, so. Yeah, you could you could almost have that in place of um, the first film kind of ending ground and uh, space battle like you'd have in the, you know, episode one and episode four and um, yeah. episode seven, Star right? Wars. So Yeah, so. <laughs> a war in the stars? A war in the stars. But, but yeah, you could you could definitely kind of mirror it, right? So you'd have the battle going on in the, you know, kind of Shadowlands area and also one going up in the village. So to to kind of yeah pay uh, you know give a nod to to that sort of storytelling so yeah i mean maybe even karth could just be like and then he has to fly the oven hawk against something for some reason you know that would mm-hmm. maybe be a little bit too much for me <laughs> um i would save the grand battle for the the third iteration right in the starforge battle I, I'm just like, I think some studio executives would be like, there needs to be a space battle. And it's like, you get to leave Terrace really fast. That's your space battle. It's in the middle, you know? Right. But here it's about the human drama, you know? but <laughs> And the Wookiee drama, you know? So, but yeah, um, I, I would definitely even really kind of want to see battle meditation used to an extent. Just okay. so we don't just hear about it, you know, rather than just like hear about it, hear about it, hear about it. And then it, you finally see it in the third movie. So mm-hmm. that's something I would want to see. So uh, but in the future, we'll kind of like talk about like how we kind of would see the first movie as a whole. So I think it's going to be fun because I just love movies and, you know, like Brian obviously loves movies. So. Yeah, it'll be fun to go back and kind of kind of recap it and just give kind of a, a broad overview, right? So get into some of the details here and, you know, this episode and, you know, some other episodes like it. But but to just kind of go back and, you know, give kind of a, a pitch for the overall kind of look and feel and pacing of, of the movie as a whole, I think that's going to be really fun. So Yeah, uh, so look forward to that. And you can find us on Instagram at Podcast. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram. It's at astro underscore droid underscore. The Ebon Hawk can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Schuerman at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds. Our transition music was composed by Christian Walker at christianwalkermusic.com. This episode of the Oven Hawk podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.